It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Biggest game of the season for the Sacramento Kings and their race for the play-in, a chance to make up a full game on the New Orleans Pelicans who are holding the 10th seed and final play-in spot. And the Kings lose by 30 points in New Orleans. We haven't seen too many big games for the Kings over the last 15 seasons, but when the big games happen, the Kings tend to not be up to the task like they were once again not tonight. We'll talk about what happened in the second half that caused this game to get out of hand. And where do the Kings go from here? It's all in today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. For another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering Kings basketball. Of course, at no point during those eight seasons have the Kings been relatively close to the playoffs. And in a game like tonight where the Kings had a chance to at least make up some ground in the play-in, they fell completely flat on their face. Let's talk about this game. Let's break this down because really it was a tale of two halves for the Kings. Before we dive into, though, What went wrong for the Kings, particularly in the third quarter? No surprise. The third quarter has been the bane of the Kings' existence really for the last four or five seasons. It's fitting that we have a letdown loss like this in what was the most important game of the season so far to this point. That's that's there's no argument there. This was the biggest game of the year for the Kings for so many reasons. And they just weren't up to the task. It looked like they were to start the game. They couldn't maintain that for all 48 minutes. The New Orleans Pelicans, who also recognized the significance of this game, they put together a really good effort and also made fantastic adjustments uh, at halftime to ultimately take full control of this game. And it's fitting that this episode comes the day after I do a full 30-plus minute in-depth dive into the debate among Sacramento Kings fans that might not be as much of a debate now tonight after this game as it was just 24 hours ago. And that was the debate between what's better for the Sacramento Kings for the remainder of this season to uh, look towards the draft and, and lose games and secure higher draft lottery odds or try and win and try and make the play-in. Well, after tonight's loss, making the play-in has become not just significantly more difficult, I would say almost extremely so. Like there are three teams between the Kings and that 10th and final seed, and the uppermost one, the furthest one, just now took a four-game lead on you. Well, you do play the Pelicans again. I think the game is in Sacramento uh, before the season is up. 
But as we're going to talk about when I share with you the remaining schedule for the Kings for the rest of this season, these were the games that you had to get to have a chance. And the Kings missed their opportunity again. So, hey, maybe if you were with me on the side of it's better for the Kings to win games right now, maybe you haven't budged off of that yet, but you're feeling a little less positive or optimistic about the Kings pushing for the play-in. After tonight's game, I don't blame you for that. If your stance has changed, feel free to let me know and weigh in on this game. If you're disappointed, if you're let down, if you're not surprised, ch- chime in at Matt George Sack on Twitter is how you can reach me via social media. You can email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Or you, if, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section uh, down below. But I mean, for the Kings to lose, not only to lose a meaningful game where, let's be honest, you could make an argument comparing the Kings and Pelicans rosters that they're more even uh, than people would probably give the Kings credit for, especially when Sabonis is now on this roster with De'Aaron Fox, the way he played in the month of February and how he's been playing recently and Harrison Barnes and other decent supporting uh, pieces. But the New Orleans Pelicans are a better basketball team. And they're a team that made the move that they made at the trade deadline, uh, trading for CJ McCollum even without Zion right now, and who knows if Zion's going to play a single minute, even if this team does make the playoffs, doesn't look like it at this point. They are a team that clearly has one goal in mind and draft lottery odds and things like that, that that really ultimately means nothing to them. They're clearly trying to win, make the play-in, and put together a run similar to what the Memphis Grizzlies were able to do through the play-in last season. And I think this team now with CJ McCollum alongside Brandon Ingram, who was just unstoppable in this game tonight, I think the Pelicans have a good chance of that versus the Sacramento Kings. They would need to get lucky and then get lucky again to put together that kind of run, which is why so many people were on the side of losing now and securing draft lottery odds uh, is the better route to go. But for the Kings to go into this game, even if they are the underdog, even if they are on the road, knowing the significance and the importance of this game for standings purposes. And trust me, even if you think it's more tactically sound for the Kings to have better draft lottery odds. Even if there are people in the Kings front office, I don't know this for sure, but I imagine there are some people in the Kings front office that agree with that side that are more interested in losing and securing a, a better draft pick now for what it can do for the Kings this offseason rather than winning right now. I'm sure there are people, at least with that mindset, uh, who are a part of the Kings organization. I don't know if that's Monty McNair or not. But I'm sure there are people in the Kings front office, even with that mindset, I guarantee you the players and the coaches were not coming into this game with the mindset. They were coming into this game knowing that this was a game they had to win. For Alvin Gentry to keep his job, this was a game he had to win. For the Kings to uh, snap this playoff drought, for this team to gain any kind of legitimate respect and, and get really off on the right foot together, this was a game they had to win. And not only did they lose, they lost by 30 points. Now, to be fair, it would have been more accurate to the overall story of the game if the Kings were to lose by like 16 to 20, because that's really how big of a lead the Pelicans built around that uh, in the third quarter and and were able to hang on to comfortably. And they scored a lot more points in garbage time when the Kings basically waved the right flat white flag. But the final score says the Kings lost 125 to 95. The final score says the Kings weren't able to score 100 points. The final score says the Kings gave up 125 points, which is nothing new for this Kings team. To lose by 30 points in the most meaningful game of the year, it's deflating. And it's a reminder still of how far this Kings team has to go. Now, unlike in, in, in games past, I'm not ready to 
pop this mic tonight and start throwing out blame and turning my attention mainly on Fox and Sabonis, who of course could have been better. And we'll talk about both of them a little bit later on, but I'm not ready to say that it's those guys fault or they let the team down or it was just, it was a complete team effort. And on the second or in the second half in the third quarter, the adjustments that the Pelicans made, how they rallied and came together as a team that the Kings weren't even remotely close to matching. That was where this game switched because the first half was competitive. The Kings were only down, I think four points at halftime. It was back and forth. Kings got off to a great start, especially shooting the basketball from three point range. Don't know what happened to that for the remainder of the game, but come third quarter, you could tell coming out of the break, Brandon Ingram had already had a very solid first half. He had over 20 points. Uh, at halftime, I think he had like 24, if I'm not mistaken. But you could tell the Pelicans' goal in the second half was to force the Kings to switch, which is easy to do because the Kings switch on everything, and force the Kings into double teams or making double teams, forcing them to double uh, Brandon Ingram or double CJ McCollum or double Jonas Valanciunas if he gets the ball in the post. And the problem is the biggest issue that I saw with the Kings in this game even more so than their their lack of offense and just going ice cold shooting the basketball in the third quarter, was that the Kings don't double team with intent. And what I mean by that is, if you're going to double team, you need to close out quickly. You need to force whoever is being double teamed to panic a little bit or into a chaotic situation where they have to make a tough decision. And... Maybe the most important part of a double team, you have to cut off passing lanes. If you are leaving your man, if I am the guy who is leaving my man to double team, I know that my man is going to be the guy that's going to be open. So what do I have to do while I'm coming to double team? I have to cut off the angle to the man that I just left. If not, you're just being lazy. You're just walking away from a guy to stand closer to another. And that's what I saw a lot of the time in the third and fourth quarters when the Kings tried to double team. The Pelicans were very smart. They would give the ball to Brandon Ingram and put CJ McCollum on the perimeter 15 feet away, maybe even less than that. And as soon as McCollum's guy would leave to help on Ingram, they get the ball to McCollum, wide open three. More often than not, it was was nothing but net. When you close out, you need to cut off those passing lanes. Hands up, hands moving. And there were a couple times where the Kings uh, did turn the ball over or or force turnovers. But at that point, it was too little too late. The entire New Orleans Pelicans offense in the second half, mainly in the third quarter, was wait for the double team to come and find the open man. And it was an easy bucket almost every single time. That is why I talk about and I question effort for this Kings team. Because that is not something that takes a phenomenal basketball IQ to execute. That is not a defensive principle or philosophy that you have to be a great high basketball IQ defender in order to execute. That is effort. That is closing out quickly. That is attacking the ball, keeping your hands up, cutting off passing lanes, communicating. Kings do none of that. That's why I question effort with this team on the defensive end. And a lot of the times when I question effort, I question the big guys, the big names on the team. I question De'Aaron Fox's defensive effort a lot, and I have a lot this season, as have many fans. Truth be told, De'Aaron Fox gave one of the best defensive efforts of the night. It still wasn't great, 
But Fox had a couple of possessions guarding Brandon Ingram where I thought he played about as well as he possibly could. He stayed in front of Ingram. He kept his hands up. He didn't foul. He didn't leave his feet. And Ingram hit some ridiculously good shots. Like Ingram was supernova in this game. Nothing the Kings could really do to stop him. But really, it was Ingram who started the party. And then it was the Pelicans as a team that finished it. I mean, Ingram finishes with 33 points on 15 of 19 shooting. Just a ridiculous game. Only missing four shots after taking 19. That's ins- uh, that's absurd. And he did it in less than 32 minutes. Then you get 17 from Jonas Valanciunas, 17 from CJ McCollum, 14 from Herbert Jones, 13 from Jackson Hayes, 17 uh, off the bench by uh, Naj Marshall. Does that sound familiar? Six players in double-figure scoring. That's what the Kings did in order to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Kings are at their best when they are scoring as a team. And tonight, it was Fox with 25, Barnes with 19, Sabonis with 15, Lamb with 12 off the bench, and then four for Trey Lyles, five for Justin Holiday, four for Davion Mitchell, seven for Dante DiVincenzo, four for Damian Jones. The Kings as a team on both ends fell flat. And then offensively, when things started slowing down in the third quarter, the Kings went back into old bad habits. The ball stopped moving. The ball was moving really well in the first half. It stopped moving in the second half. uh, DeMontis Sabonis was missing some good looks around the rim. I wasn't upset with his shot selection. He just wasn't finishing around the rim. But at the same time, too, the ball was just getting dumped to Sabonis in the post, and then everybody was standing around watching. The ball stopped moving. The Kings started chucking up a bunch of threes. They were... They got off to a great start from three-point range in this game. For the remainder of the game, horrific. And the Kings end up shooting 22%, 8 of 35 from three-point range. This Kings team was already not a good three-point team, and they traded away two of their best three-point shooters in Halliburton and Buddy Heald. So they got worse as a three-point shooting team. And yet, we see when this team offensively struggles, they rely too heavily on the three-point shot. That is a IQ issue from the players, sure, but also from the coaching staff. You got to cut that you-know-what at the bud. Nip it at the bud and stop that as soon as you see the game trending in that direction. But Gentry and the Kings just allowed themselves to shoot themselves out of the game when defensively they weren't up to the task. Cold streaks are going to happen in games. It's going to happen where the offense goes cold for a little while. Good teams overcome that by picking it up on the defensive end. This Kings team is not capable of of weathering the storm for longer than a couple of minutes. And in order to even weather the storm for a couple of minutes, they need to give close to 110% effort on defense. And with the exception of a few individual moments, Kings weren't doing that. Certainly not like they were doing in the third and fourth quarters against the Oklahoma City Thunder that led to their comfortable victory a couple nights ago. Losing by 30 points in the biggest game of the year. It's rough. It's very rough. We'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the game that De'Aaron Fox had. Uh, talk about DeMontis Sabonis' night. Uh, and we'll look at uh, the remainder of the season for the Kings. Where are they at in the standings now after losing to the Pelicans? Well, it's not great. And their schedule for the remainder of the season, it gets even worse. We'll touch on that uh, after I tell you about prize picks. You Look, many of us expect the Kings to lose big games like this, right? But 
maybe you can use that expectation to help make yourself some money when it comes to being a Kings fan. If you're looking for daily fantasy options for the NBA, you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app. It's the only way, at least in my mind, to play fantasy basketball. I think you will love it too. The way it works is you pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's super easy. PrizePix is safe, offers fast withdrawals. You can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. And PrizePix offers uh, any prop that you can think of from points scored to rebounds to steals, so you don't just have to look at uh, the best scores on a team. And PrizePix allows mixed sport entries so you can do uh fantasy basketball in addition to when football season is going on fantasy football or if baseball season ever happens uh fantasy baseball for limited time prize picks is an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all locked on kings listeners you can get 50 dollars for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point that's all it takes a single point you get 50 dollars for free but you have to use, uh, use the promo code nba to cash in on that deal again that's uh promo code nba 50 dollars for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores just a single point enjoy prize picks make some money it's the only way to play daily fantasy basketball no matter what moves you made last year turbo tax experts make them count did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Anytime you lose a big game by 30 points, naturally the attention right away is going to go to the big names. The attention right away is going to go to De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. And Fox finished with 25 points, had a really solid first half offensively, came out of the gate looking really engaged. I was really pleased uh, with how aggressive he was attacking the basket, also hitting uh, an outside three. It ended up being the only three that he hit for the game, went one of six from three-point range. As a whole, he shot 50% from the field, nine of 18, but it wasn't enough. He did a good job getting to the free-throw line and making his free-throws, hitting four of his first five uh, from the free-throw line to start this game, ended up six of nine for the game. So he stopped getting to the line as much, and when he did get there, he wasn't catching in uh, on those free throws, which we know is an issue for him. And maybe the most disappointing area of Fox's game. And again, I want to make it perfectly clear. Like I said earlier on the pod, I'm not blaming Fox or Sabonis or any one, two, three people for this King's loss. It was a complete failure as a team in this game. And even if Fox is the main guy, in my mind, at least in this game, he's no more to blame uh, than anybody else. At least in my opinion, trust me, you've heard me blame De'Aaron Fox and put onus on De'Aaron Fox above everybody else many times in the past. To me, that's not necessary after this game. But if I'm disappointed in one area in particular from De'Aaron, it's the fact that he finished with just three assists in this game, especially when he had 10 assists in each of his last two games. 
Fox was doing a better job while scoring the basketball, distributing, and finding his teammates. The ball was moving better, and that was leading to a more balanced box score, more opportunities, especially from the perimeter for the Kings. And to be fair to De'Aaron, none of his teammates were really hitting shots. But only three assists, he had zero in the first half, and that was when he played his best basketball. I know he was more attack-minded and looking for his buckets and his uh, points, but you need more. You need more. Especially when, if Fox is taking off that distributing role, DeMontis Sabonis is taking that over. He did have 17, or rather seven assists to go along with 14 rebounds and 15 points for double-double number 41 of the season for Sabonis. I'm not saying that DeMontis Sabonis getting a double-double at this point isn't impressive because it's expected on a nightly basis at this point, but... If your two best players are combining for just 10 assists when they're your two main facilitators, the Kings are going to have a a hard time winning. And when it came to Sabonis in this game, Sabonis to me was both the frustrator and frustrating. And what I mean by that is DeMondo Sabonis clearly was frustrating Jonas Valanciunas. All things considered, in his two games against the Denver Nuggets going against Nikola Jokic, in his game tonight against Jonas Valanciunas, I thought Sabonis has done a hell of a job. I think he's proven that he is a quality big man in the NBA. He is an all-star quality big man in the NBA, not just with the numbers that he's putting up with, but with how he hangs and sometimes makes largely effective centers like Valanciunas somewhat ineffective. Valanciunas was very frustrated by DeMontis Sabonis. Unfortunately, in the second half, Sabonis wasn't hitting anything around the rim. He was getting good looks. He just wasn't finishing. The touch wasn't there. He shot six of 16 from the field. And that's where the frustrating part came in because he was still getting good looks. And had he hit a couple more of those shots, I'm not saying the Kings would have turned the game around by any means, but they probably would have scored a whole hell of a lot more than 34 points in the entire second half, which is absurd to think about the Kings only scoring 34 points in the second half. But here we are. That's what happened. Sabonis Fox. Everybody needs to be better. Harrison Barnes had 19 points. A lot of those came uh, in the first half too. He faded in the second half. Only took 11 shots, went 6 of 11. You need more out of him, especially when you're not getting any other output from anybody else. Davion Mitchell, I've been praising him for how much better he's looked on offense recently. And here you are, rookie, in the biggest game of the year, and you fade. And I can't remember Davion Mitchell making any significant defensive plays. Same thing with Dante DiVincenzo. Do you remember a play where DiVincenzo made a had a significant app impact had a big moment no you remember brandon ingram cj mccollum and the pelicans team with six double figure scores torching the kings from all angles they got the momentum they wrote it out there was nothing the kings could do on either end of the floor jeremy lamb had 12 points off the bench lamb has turned into something that uh, or someone who who's been better for the kings especially offensively than i expected him to be And as much as I love Justin Holiday and have sung his praises, he's been very streaky for the Kings. And I know some people have reached out to me and and been in the comment section saying, hey, Matt, you need to talk about Justin Holiday a little bit because he's not been what the Kings need their starting two to be. And I I agree with that completely. I have higher expectations for Justin Holiday. I think Justin Holiday can be good. I'm happy that he's under contract next season. But five points, one of four shooting in 24 minutes, not making an impact on either end, especially defensively where you can make up for when you're not playing well. Justin didn't do anything. And then 
You got guys like Mo Harkless who aren't even getting on the floor. And the Kings could have used more wing defense, especially getting torched in tonight's game. So that's just another questionable decision by Alvin Gentry that, I mean, you can add it to the list. I'm not blaming Gentry for anything. I'm not trying to bag on Gentry. He's had some rotational decisions since the trade, and I know he's trying to figure things out. Trey Lyles looked like a great uh, move for the Kings to, to insert him into the starting lineup against the Oklahoma City Thunder. You reward him by putting him in the starting lineup again, which I think was the right decision, and he completely craps the bed and plays less than 20 minutes. Like, Mo Harkless, I think, could have been far more effective. And for some reason, Mo Harkless either plays a, a good amount of minutes for Gentry or doesn't touch the floor. I don't know. doesn't make too much sense to me. But here you are. Four games back now of the New Orleans Pelicans in that final playing spot. Four games back with 18 games to go. You know what that means? That means you need a lot of help from whoever the Pelicans are playing. And not just that, you need a lot of help from whoever the San Antonio Spurs are playing. And by the way, you're playing the Spurs tomorrow on the second night of a back-to-back and the Spurs are going to be rested and they still have very uh, plenty to play for. And you have to hope for a lot of help for whoever's playing the Portland Trailblazers. What sucks is when you lose games like this, you let go of the reins and let go of control of your, your, your future. The Kings have essentially put it into the hands of others. They're going to, they're their Kings are going to be hoping and praying that when they take on the Pelicans again on April 5th, which is the, their, their, uh, their third to last game of the season, they'll have two more games after that. They're going to be hoping and praying that that game is still meaningful. And I would wager that it won't be It's just where I'm at at this point. I'm not saying the King shouldn't Try and go for it. I still want to see this team try and win and maybe put together some kind of run. I still see the value in Fox and Sabonis figuring out how to win and the Kings uh, having more positive games than a game like this, even if it helps the Kings draft lottery odds for the remainder of the season. I'm still there. But when you don't take control of the games that you need to take control of and you're relying on others to help you, you're setting yourself up to fail. Especially... When it comes to this uh, this Kings schedule for the remainder of this season, I'll tell you about that schedule. We'll run through the schedule. I'll share with it. Uh, it's just rough. It's brutal. The Kings are going to have a hard time uh, for the remainder of the season. So even if they're not tanking, they might lose enough games to look like a tanking team just because of the schedule. I'll tell you about that uh, before we wrap up and after I tell you a little bit about Built Bar. If you've listened to Locked on Kings uh, for a while, you're very familiar with Built Bar. And hopefully you're not just familiar with the ad read. Hopefully you're familiar with the taste of Built Bar. You're familiar with the benefits of eating a Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Allow it to replace uh, those candy bars, those chocolate bars that are high in calories, like uh, 240 calories on average, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. Instead of putting all that into your body just to satisfy your sweet tooth, you can get that satisfaction while eating something that is healthy for you. Most built bars are 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And it's hard to get bored of built bars because there's so many different flavors for you to try. My favorite is mint brownie. I haven't gotten bored of it yet, uh, but I make sure to not just order mint brownie bars. I'll also order a few fruit bars. I'm a big raspberry fan. I also like the orange bars a lot. Uh, my wife is a chocoholic, so she loves like the, 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 um, the, the double chocolate brownie bars and, and things like that. Uh, there are so many options for you to try. If you haven't tried Built Bars yet, I encourage you to go into Built.com and get yourself a mixed box. They'll send you a bunch of different flavors for you to try, and they're adding and, and, and replacing flavors 
all the time. Seasonal flavors, just random new summer flavors or winter flavors that they come up with. So keep an eye out for those as well. You can also at any time go and build your own custom box on built.com. Whatever you order, make sure you use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, if the Kings want any hope, they better uh, find out a way to win tomorrow on the second night of a back-to-back against the San Antonio Spurs because after that, oh boy, it gets ugly for your Sacramento Kings. Here is their schedule to finish out the season. Following the San Antonio Spurs game, they wrap up this road trip Saturday against the Mavericks in Dallas. Then they're returning home for two games against the New York Knicks. That's a, a fairly winnable game. And the Denver Nuggets. Yikes. Then they're in Utah for a one-game road trip against the Jazz. Yikes. Then they're at home for a brutal four-game homestand. Now, if you're a fan of watching good basketball and good basketball teams come into Sacramento, this is a good stretch for you to go and, and buy some tickets and actually go to the arena because... On March 14th, the Kings will host the Bulls. On March 16th, they'll host the Bucks. On March 18th, they'll host the Celtics. And on March 20th, they'll host the Suns. Every other night is a beatdown. And it's easy to think that the Kings can go 0-4 at best 1-3 during that stretch. After that, it's the much-anticipated game uh, against the Pacers in Indiana. The Kings in their first look against uh, Tyrese Halliburton, not with Tyrese Halliburton, and that might be an important game too because the Pacers, who beat the Orlando Magic tonight, I believe, uh, they are just a couple spots ahead or a couple games ahead, I should say, of the Kings in the draft lottery race. They currently have the best odds for the fifth pick. Kings have the best odds at the sixth pick. If the Kings find a way to lose that game, maybe that's enough for them to replace the Pel- uh, the Pacers in that, that fifth spot. So maybe tank fans and, and draft lottery fans, you're going to be rooting for the Kings to lose that game. After that, a winnable game against the Orlando Magic, but it might be too little too late at that point. Then you have a game at Miami, a game at Houston, or rather back-to-back games at Houston, two other winnable games. Uh, then to wrap up the season, you have... Golden State and New Orleans at home, and then you finish the season on the road against the Clippers and against the Suns. Yeah, two games left against the Suns, a game against Chicago, a game against Milwaukee, a game against Utah, a game against uh, uh, Golden State, a game against Denver. Man, you you better hope you're getting a lot of luck from the opponents uh, of the, the Pelicans, Spurs, uh, and, uh, and, and blazers. If you want any chance of actually making the play and it's not impossible, but it's also not probable at this point. All right. How are you feeling? Have you flip flopped on your belief or your argument that we discussed yesterday, choosing more of the, uh, picking the Kings winning right now versus draft lottery odds because the Kings lost this important, meaningful game. Did you see enough or not enough in this game to say, you know what? This ain't the year. This time isn't right look towards the offseason, look towards next season. It's okay for you to flip-flop. It's okay for you to change your mind. You don't have to stick with something after getting more context. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts, your disappointment uh, after this game, uh, your thoughts for the remainder of the season and this upcoming schedule, anything specific about players, anything like that you want to send to me. 
please do so at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com and leave your, uh, your, your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. I'll be taking tomorrow off. No Locked on Kings podcast on Friday. Uh, we'll be back on Saturday following the Kings and uh, or, I'm sorry, I'm taking, all right, there will be a post-game pod tomorrow after the Spurs game. Get my days all mixed up. There will be a, a, a post-game pod tomorrow after the Spurs game. No pod on Friday and then a pod after the Mavericks game uh, on Saturday. So again, there will be a pod tomorrow after uh, the Kings hopefully defeat the Spurs, but we'll have to wait and see what happens on the second night of the back-to-back. The Kings just have to bounce back and look better, significantly better uh, than they did in tonight's game, even if they do lose, because losing by 30, man, that can't happen. And actually, uh, I retweeted this. Jason Ross, a former host of the Locked on Kings podcast, tweeted this out, and this is a pretty brutal to read, uh, if I can find it. Jason tweeted this out. This is the 21st time this season that the Kings have trailed by 20 points or more in a game this season. Yeah. When the Kings have lost, they've lost pretty hard this year. Uh, And hopefully they can avoid that for the remainder of the season. This is the last time we see the Kings get beat down like they did tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate your support. As always, if you could leave a review of the Locked on Kings podcast, that would be amazing. Uh, And I can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.